Okay, welcome back to the Golf Pregame Podcast on RJ Bell's Dream Preview. My name is Will Doctor, alongside James Ledbetter, the Sony Open wrapped up Sunday. Uh, and it was a great week for Dreamers if you tailed. I went 7 for 10 my picks, including sweeping uh, the entire head-to-head picks and hitting my best bet, best bet, which was Connors over Leishman at minus 105. Uh, could have been a perfect week had Aaron Rye and Brendan Steele not thrown up on themselves Friday afternoon uh, when they missed the cut, but that's okay. We still came out on top. It was it, it was nice being able to uh, watch Thursday and Friday with that ESPN Plus now that they have unlimited streaming. So we were able to see guys grind out the cut lines, get more of a feel um, of an early coverage. But tell me what's new with you. Yeah, not too much. Pretty cool to watch, uh, you know, Hideki um, win at the Sony there. I believe he was the uh, first Asian-born player to win there since, um, forgot the guy's name, but like the original, like OG. Aoki? Aoki, yeah, he tied uh, KJ Choi's uh, record of, most PGA tour victories by, by an Asian player as well. Yeah, that's right. I was looking at like, even, you know, Russell Henley obviously kind of was looking like leading, you know, wire to wire there the whole time. But um, imagine being the solo leader and shooting 65 final round and, you know, losing that's, that's exactly what happened to him. Uh, Hideki shot 63, 63 on the weekend, including an uh, Eagle on the first playoff hole. That's now three wins in his last 17 starts for Hideki, um, a guy who, you know, was kind of in that Finau range, um, you know, maybe Scotty Scheffler range of not really winning too much. I don't think he had a win actually in his first like 85 starts. So he's really starting to rack him up now. Um, you know, officially an Island boy, I would say with the win now at Hawaii and at uh, his homeland of Japan, and then obviously throwing the masters, he's got a pretty good uh, track record here. His last uh, several events. Yeah, it was uh, for the first time in his career, uh, Hideki led the field in strokes game putting. So I think that's the main difference for him led. I, I think it really is. Yeah. I think that could be bad news for the rest of the tour. If that guy uh, finds the flat stick, cause we know how good a ball striker he is. And just like recapping, um, you know, I broke even here, not too special of a week, but we both had Webb Simpson over Cam Smith, uh, plus 140, which was nice to cash. Good value there. Like we talked about, we did not think he was going to be able to back up the 34 under par week, and he didn't do that. You know, that's, I think, one of those things where when you win the week before, you know, if you're not going to contend or play well, you'd rather just leave on Friday, get back to mainland, and uh, start celebrating, uh, you know, um that original win that first event in Hawaii but um I did cash Russell Henley top 10 plus 350 which was a nice one we had Kisner at 35 to 1 you know he finished uh third place so that was definitely a nice look but let's just get into the American Express you know that's probably got to be the shortest name on the PJ tour with all the ones we've been dealing with the last couple of weeks um it is going to be a pro-am this week two pros two amateurs uh, pin position should be a little easier um, to kind of get the amateurs around the course in under eight hours. So once again, we're going to be looking at some really low scores. Uh, very underrated event. It doesn't really get too much recognition. I think part of that is the fact that it does 
rotate on three golf courses. There aren't really those like signature holes down the stretch, you know, whether you think of an amen corner of, or where you think of, uh, you know, uh, Sawgrass 17th Island green or whatever. The one hole that does stand out would be the 18th, uh, which is an Island green par five that, you know, brings a lot of drama on Sundays. Um, but yes, we're heading back to the mainland of the United States after the Hawaii swing. We're going to La Quinta, California, uh, Palm Springs, also known as uh, weather shouldn't be a factor. The weather there is really uh, always pretty mild, not too much wind, you know, maybe a little chilly in the mornings. But for the most part, pros are going to be able to just, you know, fire at flag six. In terms of the field, we're going to have 156 players in the field this week, a little bigger than normal. We're going to have 65 in ties making the cut. And then, you know, I believe this is the only time all year we're going to have the cut after three rounds. And that's just because of the fact that you're going to be playing three different golf courses. So you couldn't have the cut after two days because you've only played two of the three. Um, in terms of looking at the field, John Rom will be teeing up this week, looking to keep his grasp of the world number one ranking. Player of the year, Patrick Cantlay is playing. And then we have eight of the top 30 players in the world, uh, including those guys. So like I stated earlier, we have a three-course rotation. We're going to have the stadium course at PJ West, which is a 7,113-yard par 72 designed by fame architect Pete Dye, also designer of TPC Sawgrass. Um, the, the thing with Pete Dye is a lot of people have thought over the years his designs are definitely on the severe side. You're going to see um, – I don't remember what hole it is particularly. There's a par three that has like a – 50 foot drop off bunker where yeah, it's I like think it's 16 lad. Um, I, that, I know I have it here in my answering notes, but I think it's 16. Yeah. I believe it's a 16 pole there. I mean, an amateur would literally spend all day in there, but the pros are managed to get it out. But I mean, I'm talking like it is 16. You wouldn't be able to see the pin. If the pin was 30 feet tall, kind of a kind of drop off. So look for that with this course, a little bit of elevation change around there in terms of some T boxes, but nothing too much to deal with. The next course we're going to be uh, playing is La Quinta Country Club, which is a 7,060-yard par 72. And then the last course is going to be the Nicholas Tournament course at PGA West, which is a 7,152-yard par 72. So um, obviously we're going to take in all the courses into account when we're doing our research and stuff. But the one thing to note is the stadium course is going to be going to play – you know, based on what your tee time is, you're going to be playing that one of the first three days. And then the final round is always going to be on that stadium course. So the stadium course has seven holes that feature water. And really that's the only defense of the golf course. Yeah. And I just got off a, uh, a Twitter space with PGA tour live. Uh, they were just kind of announcing a couple of things about the broadcast and the majority of the coverage and all the cameras, a lot of the show is going to be on the PGA stadium course, mm -hmm. which is actually you know, you would think they would have done this earlier, but I believe the last couple of years, they used to not even have televised coverage at the other golf courses. Right so this, now. Is the, this is the first year they're going to even have a, a semblance of coverage for all of them. Um, like I talked about going to be a birdie fest last six years. The average winning score is almost 24 under par past champions include Andrew Landry, John Rahm, Hudson Swafford, Jason Duffner. So all types of different golfers can win out here. Um, go, even going back to two years ago, Adam Long won at, uh, I believe he was 400 to one, 500 to one kind of range. So, you know, look for potentially a long shot type golf course. Um, in terms of the grass, we're going to be Bermuda tee to green, but the greens are like a hybrid. So 
in terms of the way they're going to putt, they are going to be Bermuda, but pretty mild green uh, grain because of the uh, overseed that they have growing, uh, growing in. Um, course setup wise, yes, we're dealing with 54 different golf holes, but for the most part, not much rough out there. Uh, so I think it's going to favor the longer hitters just for the fact that they're going to be able to spray a little bit and not, and going to still be able to have a decent amount of control coming from the uh, second cut. Going back to last year, Siwoo Kim was your defending champion with a score of 23 under par. Last year's event to note was only on two courses for the first time in tournament history. And that was because they didn't do the pro-am and uh, it just made more sense to do that. This year, we're back with the three course rotation. Um, funny stat. Well, I was actually just looking at Siwoo's past results at this event. Got to be the first time this happened in the 20, sorry, the 2020 edition of this event. He won in 2021. Siwoo withdrew after the first round with a 87 he shot. Uh, wow. He was dealing with a back injury, but sure. you want to talk about a bit of a comeback from year to year, shooting 87 withdrawing and then winning it the next year. Uh, these guys are good, I guess. Uh, in terms of uh, some other notable results, Patrick Cantlay finished runner-up, one shot back, powered by final round, stadium course record 61. Um, and then, you know, I think the stats we're really going to be kind of honing into is going to be strokes gained off the tee, strokes gained approach, birdies are better, and then strokes gained putting Bermuda. And, well, for the most part, you know, if it was like last week and we're playing Wiley and the guy's a really inconsistent driver and, you know, doesn't hit a lot of fairways. I think for the most part, those guys are going to be fine this week in terms of like we talked about the rough shouldn't be too much of an issue. It's kind of like how big your misses are. Yes. There's a water off there. You can't be taking drops left and right, but for the most part, there's going to be, you know, a little bit of give off the tee. And I think you're going to be able to pretty much, um, you know, really take advantage of it with the driver. So, you know, without further ado, let's get into our, um, our favorites, starting with John Rom at plus 550. The world number one is ninth off the tee and 10th approach so far in this short season. Well, here's his last seven starts. Memorial, COVID debacle. Let's call that a win, okay? You know, obviously, Patrick Cantlay took over that yeah, one. Yeah, it was a win. It was a it win. It was a win. Language, yeah. Yes. Then he goes, win at U.S. Open, third at British Open, third at Northern Trust, ninth at BMW, second at Tour Championship, just missed cut at the Fortinet, probably, you know, wasn't even wanting to play in it and had a little appearance fee. <laughs> and then we have the second place finish at the most recent Century Tournament of Champions. So it's like this guy, no matter what he does, cannot finish outside the top three, it seems like. Um, in terms of you know, even going back to what John Rahm's going to, you know, obviously his first event back of the year was the uh, tournament in Hawaii. And, you know, they were doing his press conferences and he was just talking about, you know, I had such a good year last year. It was hard to believe he only had one win, um, you know, being in the top three and strokes, uh, strokes gained uh, tee to green, stuff like that just was so consistent all year. And he talked about how, you know, maybe this year he might go a little bit, more aggressive in the, in terms of, you know, I don't, I don't care if I miss seven cuts, if I have four wins. So he might be a little more, you know, high variance or get a little more aggressive this year on some of the golf courses that may lead to some uh, earlier exits in some events, but if that leads to a couple more trophies, you know, he's a guy who's not really struggling too much for money. He's not exactly living, uh, 
you know, check to check here. So um, he did win here in 2018. That's another thing to look at in terms of course history. But, well, our thing is let's kind of fade those tournament favorites unless the number is wrong or, you know, it's Tiger freaking Woods. So plus 550, no thank you for, uh, for John Rom as well as he's played. Uh, yeah, you, uh, you know, you, you got me uh, uh, kind of up against the wall uh, this year because I, I love Patrick Cantley at plus 900, uh, which is who's next. Last week we saw a favorite win. I'm going to bind the price here. Uh, with Cantlay this week, I think he may even win by more than three strokes. And listen, he came to this event last year in the middle of a time when he was putting very, very poorly, uh, not necessarily playing bad. He had just won the Zozo, but he came to the Amex and had a better putting week than normal uh, for that time period. And you fast forward to now, and he's really figured it out on the greens. He's picking up about a shot and a half to the field on the greens in the last 20 events. Um, and he had a great start to the year at the Tournament of Champions two weeks ago. Really has shown no signs of regression from last year, and I think he has, you know, if he has the same week on the greens that he did last year, I think he picked up about six shots and just avoids the rounds above 70. Um, You know, I think he can win. He shot a final round 61 here last year. That second round 71 just set him back a touch, Uh, but I only see the scores being lower this year uh there's also great top five and top 10 value for Cantlay, both the plus odds right now a bit surprising uh so i'll look there when betting uh patrick Cantlay. yeah Cantlay's pass for me this week i just it's tough with those single digits to one odds and stuff here but um i'm gonna look at a little more long shot it would just be tough to have a guy you know you know, obviously you can have a great week, finish third, stuff like that. Cantley could be a great guy to bet maybe in top five, just because you get a little more value there. But uh, yeah, moving into our next guy, Scotty Scheffler, 20 to one. The books are giving Scotty a lot of respect this week. Can't remember him really being a top three tournament favorite, uh, especially in the you know last past calendar year here. Uh, this is Scotty's first start of 2022, but he has had some really good results in the fall. So he had a fourth place finish at Mayakoba. Tied second at the Houston Open, runner-up at the Hero World Challenge. So, you know, realistically playing great. Obviously, a little bit of a concern is he hasn't played since the Hero World Challenge. But, uh, you know, for the most part, I think, you know, nowadays uh, these guys are playing big money games on the courses. You know, I don't think rust is this huge factor where it's like guys come in, um, you know, and, and, you know, and just – don't have their game, you know, per se. So in terms of what's kind of stood out with Scotty all year, um, stats wise, he actually hasn't been good with the driver, which is, you know, really surprising to see one of the you know better swings on tour, a little bit of fancy footwork there, but um, you know, even going back to last season, last season, he was 17th off the T strokes game this year. So far he's outside the top hundred. So I really look for him to get back on track with the driver this week. And I think he's going to be able to do it just for the fact that, you know, not much rough isn't gonna, you know not going to be too much of an issue. Um, if you are struggling with your driver, it's definitely a little more nerve wracking knowing if you hit it in the rough, you're really going to be penalized versus here. It's like, okay, do I, uh, you know, am I going to have it teed up or am I going to have it in the fairway? I don't think the rough's going to be an issue at all this week. Um, the one thing we, another thing we do like is he's picking up 0.35 shots per round putting, which is, uh, 
you know, I wouldn't say out of character. He's always kind of a mediocre putter, but it is nice to see he is holding some putts. And so far this year on tour, he is 13th in birdies. So birdies is one of the stats we're looking at. He's averaging five birdies per round. You're going to have to probably have at least kind of that to contend this week. So one thing I do like is he did miss the cut last year, right? Okay. What do you mean? That makes no sense. In terms of the fact that, you know, if he finished T8th last year, he probably is in the 15 to 1, 16 to 1. So I think we're getting a little value just based off that. Um, remember, last year they only had two golf courses. Uh, whereas the year previous to that, when they had the three course rotation, what we're going to see this week, he finished third. So, you know, in terms of looking at it course history wise, I think if anything, you know, you can look at last year as it didn't happen. That's how I'm going to look as a Scotty Scheffler backer. Uh, but um, yeah, so do some shopping uh, in terms of Scotty. I've seen him in 16 to one in some places, seen him uh, 20 to one um, places like DraftKings. So do some shopping there. But I love Scotty Scheffler this week to win at 20 to one. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have a couple looks at Scotty Scheffler as well. But on to Tony Finau at 22 to one. Uh, you know, really tough to like Tony this week with how big of a concern his putting is uh, not converting on anything. He's lost at least two shots in the greens in each of his last five events. And, uh, you know, Tony really hasn't putted well uh, in, in any of his previous four starts at this event. He did have a fourth place finish here last year in top 15 and 19. Uh, but but I can't say I like Tony Finau at all this week. He hasn't done a whole lot. Uh, since the tour championship in September. And I don't see it happening here. Not playing great as of late. One of the guys we talked about where, yes, he did win during the FedEx cup playoffs. Let's wait for that number to kind of come back to earth a little bit in terms of let's get him in that 30 to one range where we like him a little bit more, especially uh, as a guy who has a tendency to struggle with the flat stick a little bit. You yeah. Know, may not be, uh, not be a great fit. For I, a I don't see minor. why he's the fourth favorite here. I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't see why Sungjae or, or Gooch um, are, are below him, but I guess that's good for us. So I will say he does have a, you know, last two starts here, he does have a fourth place finish and a 14th. So yeah. um, a little bit of course history coming in here, but really hasn't played that type of golf in a couple months now. So moving into our next guy, Sungjae M, 22 to 1. I was on Sungjae last week. He did miss the cut by two, unfortunately. Uh, but but led, looking led, led something that was so good about that ESPN plus coverage was I, I was able to watch Sanjay in the morning on Friday and, and he was grinding so hard to make the cut. He had like a streak of, I think 12 or 13 going. And he was, uh, I think he started the day at three under, but the cut got to like three or five. I kind of forget which one it was. I believe it got to I believe it got to four and he he finished uh at two. But yeah, um, yeah. Anyways, yeah, just yeah. completely grinding out cuts. You know, so if you're going, if you're just kind of glazing over people's re, uh you know recent results, right? You just see MC, all right. Here on this podcast, we go a little deeper than that. Okay. So he actually hit 75% of the fairways. Um last week so it's not like oh my god this swings off i need to go yeah, get he, in the lab yeah. and get this thing back together okay he did have a disastrous first day with the irons losing two and a half shots and you know he just didn't putt great both of those things being out of character besides last week the miscut his fat his past five starts result in you know a, t a top 20 two top 10s and a win at the shriners so 
you know, one of the things that stood out even before we kind of the odds came out, Sungjae was definitely one of the guys I was looking at just for the fact that, you know, if the guy's coming off a miscut, we can give him a little better value than we would have, you know. And in terms of the fact that if there's a guy on tour that's not afraid of going low, it's definitely Sung JM. Okay. He's gone 20 under in three of his last six starts, 20 under or better in three of his last uh, six starts, which obviously should uh, line up nicely for what looks to be a shootout this week. This season, he's 14th off the tee and 87th approach. So I think Sung J can contend here based on the tee ball alone. He's sneaky long, averaging over 300 off the tee. Yes, he does hit it over 300 off the tee, even though his backswing takes about, you know, eight to 10 seconds. Yeah. Um, but we'll get into, uh, you know, guys taking too long during golf shots. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, Bermuda-wise, he's a middle-of-the-pack putter, not losing strokes on the green, so that's not really a concern. But I do like him this week. You know, a bit of a zag here. Yes, he's coming off a missed cut, but one thing of, about a missed cut is you play two less, two less rounds. He's going to be rested. And another thing is, you know, is everybody that's playing in the Sony jetting here and playing three practice rounds? Uh, you know, obviously we have three different courses to play. Probably not. But someone like Sungjae probably is, given the fact that he has two extra days of rest on everyone. So I think he's going to be prepped and ready to roll. So another guy I have this week is Sungjae M22-1. to one. Love it. Nice, nice. Yeah, like I said, I got to watch uh, quite a bit of Sungjae through two rounds last week at the Sony and Exactly like Led said, it was really just a couple mishaps with the putter inside of 10 feet, um, and that sent him home for the weekend um, or or to uh, Coachella Valley, whichever one. I'm sure, he, I'm sure, like you said, he was there about six days early. But on to Corey Connors at 25-1, to one, uh, had a great week with a Corey Connors head-to-head ticket at the Sony. Uh, also had him to win. He ended up finishing 11th. Pretty good week, though, all in all. Um, as far as this week is concerned, I don't love him as much. He's been to the Amex uh, twice in 18 and 19, came in 50th and missed a cut. And it's interesting because when he missed the cut here in 2019, uh, he had just finished third at the Sony. So um, I'm not sure what to make of that, but there's not too much correlation with Corey Connors as far as how he plays leading up to this event. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You know, be looking at Connors uh, unless I see a matchup against a player like Finau, because uh, Connors' numbers, to his credit, the past few weeks have been really solid, um, especially as far as the ball striking is concerned. But I do not have him to win this week. Yeah, last two starts at the uh, Amex is sorry, the Amex is a tied fiftieth and a miscut, so not much course history going as well. But moving into our next guy, Russell Henley, 28 to 1. How does Henley rebound after last week's brutal loss? You know, different ways to look at it. Henley didn't really lose it. Matsuyama just kind of went out and took it. Uh, tough, to shoot, Russell, tough to shoot over par on that back nine there. He shot tough. even, right? Didn't he shoot even I, on the back? He had to shoot even on the back. He shot one over. Okay. Okay. You know, 65 sounds good, though. No, right? no in you're terms right. Of, you're uh, right. I, I did see a stat. Hideki caught him, too. Hideki caught him. Yeah, and I was looking at a stat. It said 49 out of the last 51 guys who were leading going to the final round that shot 65 or better went on to win. Russell Henley was the one guy who did it, uh, and the other guy was uh, Abraham Answer. So, you know. He's kind of having some of that, that Charles Howell look, you know. Yeah, yeah. But 
in terms of his psyche, it's not like he choked it away. He didn't exactly Vandeveld it here on 18, you know. I don't think he's going to be coming in here with this uh, awful mental hangover. Um, obviously, number a little bit juice given the fact of how good he played last week. But let's look at the stats. He's, he's third approach on the PJ Tour, elite iron player and has been for a while. Um, that's why we loved him last week. On a layup type golf course where everyone is hitting from the same spot uh, on their second shot, we really thought he was going to be able to do well just given the fact that he has that advantage being third uh, strokes gained approach. Different story this week. So the longer hitters with no rough are really going to be able to exploit the place with the driver. And uh, Henley definitely does not fit that in terms of being one of the longer guys off a tee. Um, he does have, you know, some good results as, as of late. Three top 25s, a top 10 at the Houston Open, and obviously the runner-up last week. Uh, He's terrible around results, this track. Yeah, but given those results, uh, you know, of how he has been playing really well, you'd think he'd be a tough guy to fade, but comparatively to Wiley, like this course could not set up worse for him. Uh, he's missed his last four cuts here, you know, clearly showing that that's the case. Uh, just look at it. Wiley, perfect setup for Henley going in there was 35 to one. Now we have Henley coming in four missed cuts at this event, 28 to one. No, thank you. Get on to our here. next guy. Get out of here. Get out of here. Nothing on Russell Henley for me this week. Um, and on to Taylor Gooch at 28 to one. I like Gooch this week. I faded him last week against Kevin Na. Uh, and it was a great ticket to keep an eye on all week. The two were paired together in the first two rounds. Kevin Na got up to a big lead after he fired a, uh, a 61. Uh, and then on Friday, uh, Led, I don't know if you saw it, but uh, I think they were on 13 and Kevin Na was hitting and he told, he told Taylor Gooch to take half a yard step back out of yeah. his line. And then someone on Twitter posted a picture of uh, Augusta national on 18 and like the patron, the patrons all down the tee box. And they were like, how could you possibly, uh, how could you possibly have an issue with Gooch uh, doing that? But, uh, and then, yeah, of course, Kevin Nog gets into it with Grayson Murray on Friday night. Yes. Yeah. A little, the tweet heard around the world. It's almost like these guys, you know, they saw Netflix is taking them on and they said, we'll, you know, we'll fire it up. Uh, yeah. Um, and, and and those guys have to get in the mix with the with the with the next the Netflix film. Kevin Nam might be in there. I need to double check the the list again, but they're not going to include these random guys like Grayson Murray or like a Taylor Gooch, which they should, in my opinion. So I don't know how that works from like a copyright standpoint. Like in terms of you know there could be some crazy ruling beef, whatever you know, uh, yeah, thing that starts up and they you know I think they're going to find a way to to make it as interesting as possible. Just going off that, I think it's going to be tough for PGA Tours, Netflix thing to be as uh, entertaining as these Formula Ones. Like these 18-year-old Formula One drivers with the FU mentality, I think, you know, that's going to sell. It's going to be a little more sexier than yeah. uh, than what's going on the PGA Tour. I doubt there's going to be like, you know, oh my God, that guy stepped in my line and I, these guys are going to come to blows. There's not going to be that level of, uh, of stuff. But I think it'll be, you know, it should be interesting from the point, you know, we don't get much behind the scenes action, you know, we get a couple of Instagram videos yeah. now and then, but uh, it'll be nice to kind of see the, you know, day in the life of PJ tour pro. A lot of people don't understand, you know, when they have a 7am tea time, they're up at four in the morning, you know? So yeah. I'm sure 
there's going to be some cool parts of it that, oh, okay. Um, you know, I didn't know that very, I didn't know yeah. that they had these, uh, kind of different things going on, but, uh, well, getting back to it, what was your thoughts on Taylor Gooch? Sorry. Yeah, no, no worries. Uh, all in all the, the Netflix is going to be very good for the game. Um, it's just, you know, a couple features like, uh, you know, how there will be absolutely no Bryson DeChambeau regardless that that can be a little bothersome for the, um, you know, the golf nut like mirror lead, but, Mm -hmm. uh as far as you know gooch went had a very good weekend uh last week at the sony fired a pair of 66s and found himself paired with not again in the final round luckily for uh for our ticket not ended up beating him by a few shots but gooch battled well uh and he's the first guy i'm discussing that actually um has some consistent past success at the amex finished fourth year 19 17th in 2020 and 21st and 21 uh, he has six top 20 finishes in his last eight starts, including that win at the RSM. And, um, you know, the consistent play has really come from the ball striking. He's, he's hitting just over 75% of his greens this year, and he's sixth in scoring after the PGA Tour. So uh, this is a guy that I'm definitely going to be looking at uh, to play in the head-to-head matchups. And I don't necessarily hate 21 to 1. I, I think, you know, He's getting more respect than former winners like Patrick Reed, who I who 28, I 28 to one, correct? 28 yeah, to one. 28 to one. He's getting okay. more respect than, you know, uh, than former winners like Patrick Reed, who is playing horribly. But I don't completely hate Taylor Gooch at 28 to one. Like. Yeah, I'm off Taylor Gooch at 28 to one. I just have a hard time thinking he's going to, you know, win two times in two months here. I don't know if he's quite there yet with his career kind of progress, but. Yeah, like you talked about, moving into our next guy, Patrick Reed, 33-1. to um, Former winner of this event back in 2014. Wow. It's like, you still look at 2014, you're like, okay, that's a couple years ago. Now it's like a decade. Um, so in terms of Patrick's recent form, he has a second-place finish from Bermuda, a third-place finish at the Hero World Challenge, and a 15th-place finish at the Century in his last five starts. So a little bit of form there to speak of. Um at the century, he had an opening round 74, and I was like, oh, my God, after I, I did have a ticket uh, that week. But then he lit it up the next couple of days with rounds of 64, 66, and 68 on a par 73 golf course, getting it to uh, 20 under par. In terms of his game, his stats, he's 123rd off the tee in his last 50 rounds and 60th approach. On a course you can afford to spray it a bit with no rough, I don't mind Patrick here, but I still, you know, Against these longer guys, the Finaus, the Cameron Champs, all these guys that bomb it, um, he is going to be giving up, you know, 15, 20, 25 yards. And I'm not sure his ball striking is in a place, especially approach, where you'd be able to make up uh, the ground there um, in that aspect. But it's funny, even though when you think about it, as we know, well, uh, we are, uh, you know, sports betting in general is uh, educated guess. It's funny to think how, um, Patrick Reed's one win from last year was at a place, Torrey Pines, which might have the most like penalizing rough on tour yeah. in terms of the fact that, you know, he was able to win that week. He was able to uh, get up and down and, uh, and kind of scrap it around. But that's when, that's when 15, 16 under is kind of winning that kind of golf tournament versus here. You got to go 24, 25 under, you better have that swing exactly where you want it. So on a course that has a lot of trouble, I'm not sure Patrick's game's quite there 
you're going to be needing to give yourself at least, you know, 10 plus birdie chances around to contend here. So, you know, other than the fact that Patrick Reed is a, uh, he is the fifth best Bermuda green putter in the field. I just don't think he's going to give himself those birdie chances we're looking for. So Patrick Reed at 33 to one, I am uh, passing on. Yeah. I'm fading him in a couple uh, head to heads this week, but it's interesting. I think the biggest coin toss in the head to heads that I saw um, at least on DraftKings, was Patrick Reed over Siwoo Kim at minus 125. That'd be an interesting play for the week. Two heavy, you know, coin flips. Coin flips, you, you know, you said Siwoo went from uh, withdrawing one year to winning the next. And that's yeah. kind, of, kind of what we're seeing and, from Patrick Reed right now. And just going back to a bit of the, you know, course breakdown and stuff. Yes, it's going to be a birdie fest, 23. 20- Two, 24, 28 under could end up winning the event, but there is a lot of water out there. I remember watching last year and you're like, he made, you know, you're seeing like triples and quads and stuff. So yeah. there's definitely, you know, uh, some damage to be done out there in that sense to, uh, in that sense. So um, on a guy that's struggling with their swing a little bit and not sure I love him because, you know, once you have a double or a triple, a double box, yeah. as they used to call them, it's really hard to get back on the horse and, you know, end up getting 24, 25 on it, which could end up winning. Yeah, absolutely. And um, on to our last favorite of the week, uh, which is Abraham answer at 33 to one. This is another guy that I faded last week against Russell Henley. I like Abe uh, more at the Amex than I did last week at the Sony. Uh, he's dealt, he's done very well around this place. Came in fifth year last year, second 2020, and an 18th place finish in 2021. And it's good he's at a venue this week where he's had some past success because the Hawaiian swing was absolutely nothing to brag about for Abe. I think me and Led both pretty much faded him, you know, throughout the majority of the two weeks. Uh, 35th at the tournament of championships and, and then a missed cut last week at the Sony and, and we assumed that would happen. I, however, I think this is a bit more of a decent spot for Abe. One thing to look at is how questionable he's been around the greens, particularly um, in the bunkers. And one bit about the Amex is, is that it's ranked as having the toughest green side bunkers on tour. And like Led said in the, in the opening monologue, I think a large majority of that has to do with, with the stadium course. And um and, you know, we, we mentioned 16, that deep bunker. And Abe Answer is amongst some of the worst bunker players on the tour, converting just 34% of his saves. And, and Led, I'm sure you agree with this, but for the listeners that are thinking to themselves, you know, how often do bunker stats or, or strokes gained around the greens matter? And I think the answer is one shot can make all the difference between a top 10 um, and a top 20. So that information does really matter here. Yeah, I mean, realistically, like looking at the guy's bunker play as being the difference between him, you know, playing well in a tournament and maybe not playing well, who the heck knows, right? In terms of he may hit it in four bunkers that week or he may hit it in 12, right? And he may go – and I think those bunker stats can be a little bit flawed sometimes just in the sense that not every bunker shot's created equal, right? Yeah. He might have only been missing – You can get screwed. Yeah, you can get screwed. But in terms of a course like this, well, I think – you know, in the grand scheme of things, if Abraham answer is a poor bunker player and there's a lot of potential bunker shots for him to have, 
if you're going to go 25 under, you can't be getting the, the bunker, you can't be getting bunker shots up and down, you know, one out of four times. Right. You know what I'm saying? So in terms of that aspect at 33 to one, you better have every part of your game in shape to match up with the course or yeah, you would be a pass. So I, I definitely agree with the logic there. Yeah. And I have nothing. Anyways, I have nothing. I have nothing yeah. on Abraham answered this week. Yep. Same for me. So let's move into the head to heads. Um, will I believe, um, we are going, you know, a couple ours are offsetting. I believe one of ours is, uh, so I'm going to go with my first one is Adam Hadwin over Christian Bazudenhoit plus 100 from 2017 to 2019. Adam Hadwin went runner up tied third runner up at this event, even shooting an unaired 59 at the La Quinta country club before they had television coverage at that course. Um, Hadwin, in terms of recent form, he's made the cut in his last five events, highlighted by a tied sixth, the Shriners. Very similar, you know, not necessarily course comp, but got to go low there. He did um, in terms of, you know, another guy. He is not afraid to uh, throw up a 62, throw up a 63. I think that's why he does well on a course like this. Um, and he's coming home to a course that he's clearly very comfortable on. Christian has been playing well. He's coming off a tied 17th at the Sony. At the Sony. And, uh, but in terms of my logic here, I think it's a lot to ask for. This is going to be Christian's first start at this event. He's going to have to play three different golf courses in a match. And he's just played, you know, Thursday through Sunday at Sony. So in terms of, I do think Hadwin has the advantage there. Course history-wise, 2017, 2019, exact same three courses they're playing this year. I am getting Hadwin at plus money, so I just think that's tough to pass up for my first head-to-head. So Adam Hadwin over Christian Vizunhoit, plus 100. I'm sorry about the pronunciation. It's shocking. Uh, for our next guy, Will Zalatoris over Alex Norin, minus 120. Will coming in under the radar. I do like Will this week. You know, even given the fact you just look at the number, he's 50 to one to win. When we were getting into, you know, fall last year and getting into, uh, you know, whether it be the, the Wyndham championship, something like that, he was coming into those weeks, 20 to one, 22 to one, 24 to one. So now he's really inflated that numbers inflated. And it's mostly because we just haven't seen him in a while. Uh, in terms of stats, I'm just going to go head to head here. Will Zalatoris, 26 off the tee. Alex Norton, 139th off the tee. Approach, Will Zalatoris, 20th. Alex Norton, 227th. Zalatoris gained two shots per round on, on Alex Norton with the irons alone. And honestly, if anything, you'd say Norton is not that good a putter. He's kind of known as a ball striker. So we're taking a great ball striker against a, you know, I would say a good ball striker that's struggling. So the only thing Norton has going for him is he's played this tournament previous. He has a tied 14th here in 2020, but in terms of recent form, I'd lean, you know, Will Zalatoris. He's uh, the only thing, uh, sorry. The only thing Alex Norton has done as of late is a tied 18th of the Zozo, which is a small non non-cut field. When we look at what Zil- Will Zalatoris has done lately, he has a tied 11 at the Fortinet and a tied 14th in the Sanderson. So, whether you look at the stats, whether you look at the recent form, I have to lean Will Zalatoris here, and you're not really giving up too much with that minus 120 number. So going back through my head-to-heads, I'm going with Adam Haddon over Christian Bizudenhoy, plus 100, and Will Zalatoris over Alex Norton, minus 120. 
And feel free to put a, you know, sprinkle a little extra on that Will Zalatoris uh, bet. I really do like that one. Great work, Vlad. Yeah. So into my head to heads for the Amex and I'm six and one through two and two events in the head to head section for 2022. So we'll try to keep it rolling here. We're going to start with Seamus Power over Russell Henley at minus 130. I'm staying on the Seamus Power train this week. And I think this is a great spot against Russell Henley, who, like I said, um, and like Led said, has missed four of six starts at the Amex. Russell Henley has. Uh, the, the ball striking has gotten uh, a lot better this year and, and since Henley missed those, or missed those cuts here. But regardless, I think playing that bad at golf anywhere is going to give you some bad vibes. And I think we definitely see some regression after he blew that five-shot lead on the back nine last week at the Sony. But how about Seamus Power, Led? Okay, he, he has five top 20 finishes in his first eight events this year. The Sony was the second event he was knocking on the door of the winner's circle. If you don't remember, he was right there at the RSM after he opened with the 63. We're really seeing some, some, some consistent golf from Seamus, and he's ninth in scoring average on the PGA Tour. So my first matchup this week is going to be Seamus Power over Russell Henley at minus 130. We move on to Taylor Gooch over Tony Finau at minus 110. I haven't really bought into the Taylor Gooch hype as far as betting is concerned. I know he won the RSM. Um, I think James had a few tickets on him that week, uh, but this will be my first time investing in Taylor Gooch. Taylor Green is just outperforming Tony right now. Gooch is an above average putter on Bermuda Greens, and there doesn't really appear to be any of that rookie regression after the winter break. So my second head-to-head is going to be Taylor Gooch over Tony Finau, minus 110. We move on to Matthew Wolf over Patrick Reed at minus 120. And really, there might not be a, a player struggling more tee to green than Patrick Reed. His putting um, is really about the only positive point in this game. Other than that, the ball striking is awful. I mean, Patrick Reed has gained um, shots off the t- uh, on the field off the tee once since the 3M open, 3M open back in July. And that's a recipe for disaster around these three tracks at La Quinta. And Matthew Wolf, on the other hand, has not finished outside the top 20 in four starts. He's coming off an 11th place finish in Houston where uh, I watched him the entire, the entire final round. And it was the day he made a hole in one of the ninth there at Memorial. But he was in the final group there and ended up, ended up shooting 72, falling a couple places back. Uh, but every tournament seems to be a step in the right direction for Matthew Wolf. He finished second at the Shriners and fifth at Mayakoba uh, a couple of weeks prior to Houston. Um, and there really isn't an aspect of Wolf's game that is struggling right now. We're seeing his tee ball get more consistent week after week. Um, and I absolutely love him in this spot against the struggling Patrick Reed, who um, only has one top 10 finish in the last seven months. So my third head to head is going to be Matthew Wolf over Patrick Reed. At minus 20, and my last head-to-head for DMX uh, is going to be KH Lee over Kevin Streelman at minus 120. And I hate to do this to my guy, Kevin Streelman, but you want to talk about someone who is on the struggle bus and has no signs of getting off. It's Kevin Streelman. It's really has not had a, had a, had a finish inside the top 30 uh, since the Wyndham back in August after his great performance at the major championships, if you don't remember, eighth the PGA 
and 15th at the U.S. Open for Streely last year. But the bottom line is Kevin Schulman has been cold, cold as ice as of late. And his best finish at this event uh, has been 10th twice in 2010, 2013, which is really irrelevant this week considering how long ago that was. KH Lee is no longer just the new kid on the block from South Korea who really came out of nowhere and won the Byron Nelson last year. Uh, he's really starting to put together some very consistent finishes, 14th at the Shriners in Vegas and then 18th at the Zozo Championship. I think KH Lee makes the cut and has a finish inside the top 25 this week, betting Kevin Schulman. So let's go back over these head-to-head. Seamus Power over Russell Henley at minus 130. Taylor Gooch over Tony Finau at minus 110. Matthew Wolf over Patrick Reed at minus 120. And KH Lee over Kevin Schulman at minus 120. Solid picks, solid picks. And moving into my picks to place, I am taking Tony Finau, top 10, plus 225. Tony finished fourth last year, finished 14th the year before, so great uh, course history. I think his game just matches up to P.J. West and you know all three of these courses uh, really well in terms of setup. He's a bomber and a consistent iron player. That's exactly what you're going to need here. Um, Tony hasn't quite got the putter going this year, losing a stroke per round to the field. So, you know, looking at him potentially winning, the flat stick could definitely hold him back, uh, you know, from going 25, 26 under to, you know, grab a trophy here. But I think he's more than capable, you know, given his his uh, long game uh, to cash a top 10 here. Um, so I'm going for my first one, Tony Finau, top 10, plus 225. And then for my next one, I'm taking Sung J.M. top 10, plus 200. Right now, Sungjae's fifth in the FedEx Cup. In his last 50 rounds, Sungjae is ninth off the tee and 24th approach. Sungjae makes a ton of birdies. Yes, he's coming off a miscut, but he takes it, you know, he takes it deep really often. You know, three times out of his last six, he's been able to get 20 under or better. So he is not afraid to go low, makes a ton of birdies. His last three starts here, 12th, 10th, 12th. So I think he's more than capable of a top 10. So for my two picks, Tony Finau, top 10, plus 225, and Sung J M top 10, plus 200. And for my picks to place uh, at the Amex, we're going to start off with Scotty Scheffler, top 10, and plus 160. I have to take Scotty in this spot, regardless of the uh, some of the putter issues we've seen. I didn't highlight on that earlier, but um, I think he's lo- yeah, he's, lo- he's lost strokes to the field and 50% of his last 11 events. Uh, so losing shots in, in, in half of those events. He came back hot in the fall and racked up two top 10 finishes at the Mayakoba in Houston, uh, played in that final group with Wolf in Houston. I thought it was going to be his moment to capture his first PGA Tour win in his home state of Texas. And uh, that first round 72 really came back to hurt him as he lost by two against Jason Koprak. But He's had taste of success on this golf course before, as Led pointed out earlier. He's came in third here in 2020 after shooting a second round 64. And the key for, for Scotty to finally get a win on the PGA Tour under his belt is to actually put four rounds of elite golf together. It's getting harder and harder every week. I mean, we saw Matt Jones fire two sub 65 rounds in the weekend in Kapaloo and come up short. But Anyways, there's not too many pick-to-place tickets I like this week, but 
Uh, Scheffler top 10 at, at plus 160 is definitely one of them. We're going to move on to uh, Patrick Cantlay top 10 at plus 110. Here's the thing. I love Patrick Cantlay to win this event, but I'm also well aware that winning three events in a four stretch start is a very tough thing to accomplish. However, I do love Patrick, Patrick Cantlay at this venue, two top 10 finishes and three starts. Um, and, and this is the safest your money will be in a pick to place this week. My next one is Sung JM um, on top of the Asian leaderboard at plus 120. <clears throat> like Led said, Sung Jay got some optimal preparation in for this event since he missed the cut last week, uh, ending, I believe, a 11 tournament stretch of, uh, of made cuts. So um, Sung Jay will be looking to kind of get back that, get uh, back together, um, making a cut and having a strong finish this week. And before we get to Sungjae on the Asian leaderboard, let's take a deeper look at who he has to face this week. Uh, we'll start with Siwoo Kim, who is the defending championship, uh, the defending champion here at the Amex, but has been absolutely horrible on the greens as of late. Then it's KH Lee, who I expect to have a decent enough week to beat Kevin Stroman, but not Sungjae M. And then there's CT Pan, who hasn't finished in the top top forty in his last four starts. Um, Otterbaum Lahiri, who must be on a sponsor's exemption this week because he's missed four cuts in his last six starts. Then we have Sung Kang, who's playing absolutely horribly. He's missed two, two cuts in, uh, in his last three starts. And last but not least, Sung Yul No, uh, who has missed six cuts in his last eight starts on the PGA Tour. So as you can... the, we'll call that the barbershop group with all those cuts. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, and, and, and a lot of miscuts. I mean, Sanjay, Sanjay plus one twenty on top of the leaderboards is steel. And, you know, as you can see, it's not a strong Asian field. Uh, you know, this week now that Sanjay doesn't have to go up against Hideki Matsuyama, uh, and Sanjay, you know, like I said, coming off a miscut, but it's a positive. He got six days to prep. Uh, he's not a guy who's going to miss back to back cuts, and most importantly, he has an outstanding track record at this golf course: 12th, 10th, 12th. This is a best bet for me this week. Possibly, we'll get to that in a second, but uh, that's going to be Sung JM top Asian, yeah, top Asian leaderboard at plus one twenty. My last pick to place this week is going to be Christian Bazudenhout, top South African at minus one twenty five. I think Christian um, on the South African leaderboard could be even more of a lock than Sung Jay um, on the Asian leaderboard. I mean, Christian is going up against some fellow countrymen whose games are downright in the gutter. And we'll start with Dylan Fratelli, who's missed six of nine cuts since August. I don't know how he still has his tour card. Then we go to Dowie Vanderwalt, who lives in Houston. Shout out Houston. Uh, attended Lamar University in Beaumont. Big fan. But he's missed his last five, five cuts, starting at Sanderson Farms. And then finally, James Hart Du Perez, who is making his PGA Tour debut via a sponsor's exemption. Um, however, this will be Christian's toughest test because uh, according to the Golf Channel, this guy, uh, James Hart Du Perez, is six foot 10 with a faster swing speed than Bryson DeChambeau. Um, actually, actually, Golf Channel has it. This golfer is 6'10 with Kyle Berkshire swing speed and he's playing in the Amex. So, Wait, well, who gave him the sponsor exemption? What's the story behind that? I have no idea. I have no <laughs> That's idea. That's an absolute unit. 
I don't think he, I don't think he, uh, he, he was in the long drive contest, but he, you know, he failed second stage of corn Ferry tour last fall, uh, had some, had some, is he a, is he a Netflix back pain? No, he's not going to be on the Netflix. It, it's story. Netflix? Yeah. It's stories like this, you know, you got to let these randoms in every once in a while to be in your Netflix film. I mean, yeah. it's what makes the story. Uh, yeah. But let, let me just recap here. My picks to place this week. We have Scotty Scheffler, top 10 at plus 160. We have Patrick Cantlay, top 10 at plus 110. We have Sung J.M. atop the Asian leaderboard at plus 120. And then Christian Bazudenhout, top South African at minus 125. Uh, but yeah, th- this guy, James Harden, dude, Perez, you know, he, he starts hitting fairways. I think my boy Christian's in trouble. It's funny. It's like, uh, you know, oh, he's got the arm of tom brady and the running ability of lamar jackson and the you know what i mean it seems like uh yeah, it doesn't yeah. seem real might have to change my dark horse here but uh we'll keep he, him as is for now na- for now he, wear, he wears those like clear like oakley shades too oh, you know okay. he, okay. he's kind of got you. that um kind of that eric gagne i'm not sure if you're familiar with him old closer for the dodgers but i got huge and, and wears those clear glasses just a beast love but, it uh no doubt chris is going to take him down on that south african leaderboard so moving into our dark horses i am taking taylor moore top 20 plus 275 taylor's 35th off the tee and picking up a third of a shot per round on the field putting in the five in the five events that he's played so far this in the shortened pga tour season he does have three top 25s um one of the things that's kind of a power move is he just skipped the Hawaii swing. I don't believe, obviously, he didn't get in the Century Tournament Champions first time, uh, you know, first year on tour here. But he did uh, get in the Sony. I think he just said, I'm good. Um, I haven't seen that too much. But I'm going to look at that as a positive, just in the sense that another guy who's going to have a couple extra days of prep for the three golf courses they're, they're going to be playing. Um, in terms of his recent form, I talked about it. Three top 25s in his last five events. And coming off a tied eighth at the RSM Classic. So look for him to add another top 20 this week in Palm Springs. So for that dark horse, Taylor Moore, top 20, plus 275. Yeah, and my dark horse this week is going to be Paul Barjon, uh, top 40, plus 400. Um, you know, TCU stand up, former school Ladanian Tomlinson stand up. Uh, but I love Paul, Paul Barjon this week. There's been a lot of first time success for tour players around this golf course. Look at Andrew Landry in 2020. You look at Adam Long in 2019. You look at Hudson Swafford in 2017. A ton of corn fairy graduates come to this tournament and really break themselves down on the PGA tour. I think we see the same sort of thing happen with Paul Barjon this week. He finally made a cut last week at the Sony after back-to-back MCs um, in Houston at the RSM. He really got screwed in Houston with the draw. There was a lot of rain Friday morning. Um, had to play like, what, 36? No, no, no. He had to play like 27 on Friday. Um, around really just not a good golf course where the Houston Open was at. So I'd really just cross that that Houston Open start off the list for, for Barjon. I, I don't count it. Um, this is a guy who eventually will have long-term success on the PGA Tour. Uh, he made his first two cuts of the season at Fortnet and Sanderson Farms, um, and I expect him to get back to playing well in California. So my dark horse is Paul Barjon, top 40 at plus 400. Yeah, I think these Cornberry grads can take advantage of the fact that, you know, this is probably going to be closer to a Corn Ferry course that they're going to play all year. 
Um, you know, they're not exactly going out to Torrey or Bay Hill. Here. <laughs> and it's a, um, it's a corn fairy field too. I mean, Tony Fina was like the third or fourth favorite lad. What are we doing? What are we doing? Come on. No, Netflix, you know, it's good enough for Netflix. Um, but moving into our uh, picks to win. First one up, Scotty Scheffler, 20 to one. Um, like we talked about, folks are giving him a lot of respect with a top three favorite here. Uh, like we talked about. John, John Rom plus 550. That's a little short. And then we go to Cantley, and then we, you know, balloon up to 21 for Mr. Scheffler. Uh, and like I talked about, really good form as of late. Fourth place at Mayakoba, second at the Houston, Houston Open, runner up at the Hero World Challenge. Um, I think he gets back on track with the driver this week. That's one of the things he's been struggling with. 117th on tour driving with Scotty. Like that just seems definitely not sustainable. Um, he has a ton of firepower. Average is five birdies per round. One of the guys, you know, we talk about these guys that are due, right? Somehow, Scotty Scheffler has zero PGA Tour wins. It's like, even going back to last year, I want to say he was in like two final groups of majors, or, you know, the last, or even the last two years. Uh, I remember he's in the final group of the PGA, held his own. Um, not exactly like choking these away. It's just, you know, as we're starting to see, even Russell Henley last week, like, you got yeah, you can, you can shoot 65 and get beat. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, Scotty has a ton of firepower, so I love him this week at 20 to 1. Next guy, Sung JM, 22 to 1. Uh, Sneaky drove it great last week despite the missed cut, so we're not going to freak out just because you see the big MC in bold. Uh, I think Sunjay can contend here based on the T-ball alone. Uh, he's rested after a missed cut, going to have a lot of prep. He's top 10 in birdies are better and plays great in easy golf courses. So I love Sung Jay for that reason. And then for our last one, Matthew Wolf, 30 to one, Mr. Consistent. Yes. Matthew Wolf has been very consistent as of late. Uh, you know, we used to call him the roller coaster, but he's, uh, he seemed to figure it out here. He's made all four cuts so far in this PJ tour season, um, highlighted by a runner up at the Shriners. Similar course comp, 25 under, winning kind of score, and then had a tied fifth at the Mayakoba. So really playing well. Um, dream course setup for Wolf. Little bit of trouble out there. If you can stay away from the big numbers, I really think he's going to be able to make a lot of birdies this week. And, Will, this is one more thing I kind of bring up. Um, I really like taking Matthew Wolf first-round leader, but we can't do it this week because – everyone's first round could be on a potentially different golf course. I haven't seen any first round numbers, um, but it'd be a fun thing if the, you know, the books added just low round of the event, low yeah. round of the event um, ticket. I think that would be fun because on a guy like Wolf, who, you know, at any moment can throw up a 61 or a 62, uh, you know, might be Thursday, might be Sunday, might be Friday uh, in terms of I think it would be a fun ticket to, to look at for a lot of these guys that are go super low. You know, Adam Hadwin even probably being a long shot uh, for something like that. So, you know, just recapping my uh, picks to win. It's going to be Scotty Scheffler, 20 to 1, Sung JM, 22 to 1, and then Matthew Wolf at 30 to 1. Okay, my one pick to win this week, uh, you know, staying true to the favorites. I'm taking Patrick Canley at plus 900. And listen, if you can find a, num a better number, uh, you know, please go right ahead and take that. Um, I need, I still need to shop around a little bit before I, I put my ticket in. But, uh, you know, I, like I said, I hate to jump on a heavy favorite, but I've told you uh, today all the reasons I like Canley this week. So 
Uh, my winning pick for this week is going to be Patrick Canley at plus 900. And let I'll just move this right into the da- daily fantasy lineups where uh, we're one and one. You actually beat me last week um, at the Sony. So we led, tied it up. Uh, here's the lineup I'm going with this week. I'm going Seamus Power. I'm going Matthew Wolf, Abraham Manser, uh, Christian Bazudenhop, Adam Sevenson, who's been a DFS. Svensson. Okay, yep. my, my apologies. My apologies. You're good. Anyways, you're good. Absolute DFS nightmare. And then to round it off, Paul, Paul Barjon. I mean, that guy, he top 40, so he's going to give me a bunch of points. And a bunch of Love money. that. Love that. Yeah, it was nice to even up the, the uh, you know, the weekly betting last week with the, I had, uh, who did I have? I had Kisner and Henley in there. Uh, definitely power the team through. But for this week, um, I am taking Scotty Scheffler, Matthew Wolf, Adam Hadwin, Cameron Champ, Taylor Moore, and Adam Svensson. Um, so we will see how we do there. Moving into our best bet of the week, I am taking Will Zalatoris, top 20, plus 180. Zal coming a little under the radar this week. It could be because he has his PJ Tour card. Uh, he's, he's in, uh, you know, He's in that 50 to one range. And that's what I kind of talked about earlier. We were waiting for that to inflate a little bit. People were freaking out about him. Not the Wyndham. This guy's like 18 to one. It's like, okay, let's relax a little bit. Let's let him get his card first. Uh, so now that that's secured, I think he's obviously going to be freewheeling it. And this is just mostly about the number at plus 180. I, you know, I see that closer to what his top 10 number should be um, for plus 180. And we're getting that with the top 20. So, you know, have to have to take it. Uh, he already does have a tight 11th at the Fortnite championship and a 14th in the Sanderson in his last couple starts here, 26 off the tee, 20th approach, putting anything but terrible. We should be fine for a top 20. So that is my best bet. Will Zalatoris top 20 plus 180 lock it in. Okay. My best bet for this week's going to be Matthew Wolf over Patrick Reed at minus 120, which I discuss in the head to heads, you know, there, there's not a player um who, who's more lost on the tee box over the irons um than Patrick Reed uh you know I, I think Matthew Wolf is is really is really on the trend we've seen him you know on the gram doing great work with Gankus um getting dialed in the results are paying off so um, I think this is my best ticket this week I mean Matthew Wolf over Patrick Reed at minus 120 and then led my winning score prediction for this week uh, is going to be 25 under, you know, there, there's no weather, um, you know, they're in a bowl. You know, I, I think that's a pretty good, pretty good guess. What about you? Yeah. The prom, the Palm Springs dome uh, could be good for scoring. You know, you know, I'll gloat a little bit. I was, I picked 24 under last week and it was 23 under. So I am leading the head to head in that. Yeah. Act, yeah you were, you that. were one off. It's kind of it's kind of BS, you know. If they if they if they had counted the playoff, uh, yeah, the the playoff birdie. Well, then it goes to twenty five. I'm off again. But uh, <laughs> what'd you uh, what'd you have it at? I had it twenty four, and that was the winning score, right? It was twenty three, and then the Eagles okay. would have put it to twenty five. Okay. You know, we were right okay. in there. I'm gonna take twenty four under, and I actually you know chose that even before. Uh, I'm just hearing yours for the first time. So, uh, 24 under, so I'll get everything underneath. It's, uh, you know, kind of a nice to, 
<laughs> it's kind of a nice uh, spot to be in there. I am rooting for a little bit of a gust maybe on the weekend. <laughs> I know. I, I was thinking they might push 30, but that, that, that's yeah. a stretch. That's a stretch. We don't want but... to over, we, we overreact just based off that uh, that century. Nope. But you get uh you get twenty four everything under twenty-four. So yeah, we uh, get everything over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, that'll do it here uh, uh, for American Express Week on the golf preview podcast on RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Led, good luck to you and good luck to all. We'll see you next week for the farmers. Yeah, I'm hoping to uh, you know have a good week and pay off that American Express card. Nah, man, listen, your your bookie's wife's gonna have to stop the the AMX and half. With this week's time, we got some locks. So um, listen up and uh, good luck to everybody.